horrible stuff called ragweed that I am deathly allergic to. So for the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear me start sounding pretty raspy, pretty bad. And uh, some of y'all said I sound bad already, but that's all right. But if you will, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 6. We're going to be finishing up our series on knowing God, but also the spiritual battles that we face on a daily basis. I think about things like pollen, and they may not be a spiritual battle to you, but they are a spiritual battle to me. I absolutely hate the allergy time of year. But when I think about it in perspective to other people's problems, it's so small. You know what I mean? Over the last couple of weeks, my heart's been broken to hear of so many people diagnosed with cancer or having to go through new cancer treatments. I'm thinking about Blair Cook, who's been going through treatments for quite some time. Um, Miss Nikki Shuknick, one of the school teachers at the primary school, was just diagnosed right before school start, is on board with her treatments now. Declan Jones, a young little boy who unfortunately, due to the cancer, lost part of his leg is just finished up his last round of treatment yesterday. But I also think of somebody that many of us know. Um, I think about Miss Shelley Taylor, who's starting a, another round of treatments right now as we speak. And it just absolutely breaks my heart to see all these people go through this. But like we've been talking about over the last two weeks, this is a spiritual warfare. I, I, I just out of curiosity, how many of you have ever been diagnosed with, cured from, or battled with cancer in any way, shape, or form? Raise your hand if you don't care. I want you to look around, guys. Look around. Because here's the one thing that I know about people who struggle as they're going through all these treatments. They'll tell you that they just feel absolutely hopeless. They'll tell you that they feel like they're absolutely alone. And these cancer treatments, what's bad is these cancer treatments put you on the brink of death to kill this death that is inside of the individual, that is growing in the individual. And that's a lot like it is with our spiritual warfare that we deal with on a daily basis. The spiritual warfare that we battle is inside of us. It is sin, it is death, it is all these things that are coming against us to kill us. And to kill what's killing us from the inside, we must identify with the death of Jesus Christ. It is his death that brings healing to this. And I know during these times, it doesn't seem like that can always bring a lot of comfort. But let me tell you something. After what we talked about last week with the absolute truth that we have as Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior, with his imputed righteousness that's been put before us so that we can stand before God. And with, with that gospel peace that comes along with it, these things, like I said last week, are things that we need to internalize to push through these spiritual warfares. But he gave us some more things that we can use to push through with these spiritual warfares. And if you will, go ahead and look with me at verse 10. We're going to read verse 10 through 17 again, talking about this spiritual warfare that every single one of us face. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That is so important for us to realize. But against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the day of evil and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shodded your feet with the preparation of gospel peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Pray with me. 
Father, this morning we are so thankful to be here together, to be able to dig into your truth, to be able to worship you, to be able to come to you humbly before your throne, Lord, and lift our hearts up to you with everything that is going on in our lives. Father, so many of us right now are facing spiritual warfare that seems absolutely unprecedented in our life. But in all reality, Lord, these spiritual warfares have been going on ever since your son died for our sins. Because once we come to know you, Lord, there's still a war that's battling with inside of us. It's not the war of salvation, but it is the war of Satan trying to get us to turn from our ways, who's trying to get us to think that we're not able to do this. And Lord, I'm thankful that you gave Paul this instruction to write these things down so that we could be better prepared for these battles. Father, at the same time, I want to lift up all these individuals that I spoke of earlier who are dealing with cancer. It does, Lord. It tears my heart out to watch these families go through this. And Father, I pray for the individuals who are dealing with these treatments. I pray that you would give them strength, but more importantly than that, Lord, I pray that you would do a miraculous healing in their life that can only be described as you. I pray for their family, Lord. Because so often we forget that the family is going alongside these individuals in this very situation. And I just pray, Lord, that you would give them the strength and the peace that goes beyond everything that they can understand during this time. Father, I pray for these doctors. I pray that you would use them, Lord, as your instruments of healing, as you do in many times. But Father, most importantly, we pray that you would be glorified through all of this. And I know, Lord, it's hard. It's hard for us to see how you are at work sometimes in our lives when we are going through these spiritual warfares. But as we examine these last three pieces of this armor, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart and a mind to understand what it is that your word has for us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time together. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all gonna have to forgive me. I forgot my water this morning. So the only thing I got is a Mountain Dew, and I got to have it. Sorry. (laughs) So when I was a kid, and I know some of you are saying, what are you talking about, when? When I was a kid, not acted like a kid. When I was a kid, you know, grew up in a different time. We don't have all the Nerf guns that my boys have, watching things fly across the air. We had to be inventive. We had to be really inventive with what we had and what we could make up to be our guns. I can remember all the time us going to the woods, getting a stick, find one that had like a little handle on it. And man, once we found that little stick, we guarded that thing. We'd even get sticks for swords. We found out this became very dangerous though. A stick stick as a sword is an instrument of warfare in a nine-year-old's hands. It is horrible. But then we found out the beauty of these little things that would fall from the tree called pine cones. Man, we used to have pine cone wars all of the time. And you know the bad thing about a pine cone? A lot of time a pine cone is loaded with sap. So if it fell on the ground, every once in a while it would pick up a rock. That was a loaded projectile. We looked for those. And you know what we found out? We found out that those things hurt. (laughs) But then we found out another cool thing. We found out that we could take the lid off of our trash can and we could use it as a shield. And I'm going to tell you, day after day after day, this is how we spent our time after school. Me and Clint Seabolt and a couple of others in our neighborhood, that's what we would do. And you know, I was sitting here thinking back to that time as we're reading about this shield of faith. And I was thinking about how true that little shield that we had, how, how confident that shield made me. Because when I didn't have that shield and I seen those pine cones running, you know what I did? I run. When I seen them coming, I run because I knew they were purposely picking them up with the ones with the rocks in them or they were taking them over to the gravel and mashing the rocks in them. <laughs> we were mean little kids. I ain't going to tell you what happened when we found out about fireworks. That was a whole new ball game. 
We're not going to tell. We're not going to. We're not going to tell him. We're not going to tell him your, your, your uncle. But yes, he did something very horrible to your daddy with a firework. <laughs> they already know the stories. It scares me. That's why we don't buy fireworks at the 4th of July, because I know what they'll do. But regardless, I was so confident when I had that shield. You know what I mean? You were ready to storm into action. When you were young, when you were little, when you had your, when you had your little stick sword, you had your shield, you had your pine cones, you were ready to go into battle no matter what. Why is it that we do not realize that God has given us armor that can give us confidence as we go into battle. I mean, the first three that I talked about, and I just want to hit on them again, just real quick. The first three that I talked about. First, excuse me, you have truth. Truth gives us an absolute of what is right and what is wrong. And that helps us and gives us the ability to make wise decisions. But then on top of that, you have righteousness. Righteousness that we could never do on our own because our righteousness is just as filthy rags. But God gave us his righteousness so that we could stand before him boldly, boldly stand before him and his throne. But he also gave us peace, peace in the gospel because we know that no matter what happens on this earth, no matter what happens on this earth, that our eternity is sealed. And we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about standing before a righteous, holy, just God and worry about, okay, if I'm going to have to answer for this or I'm going to have to answer for that. Because the truth is that all of our sin has been covered with the blood of Jesus Christ and we don't have to worry about that. All guilt, all shame, all of that is done away with. That brings peace to my life. And when we internalize those, when we really internalize just those three things, it starts to build something in us. Paul describes it as a shield. What it builds is it builds faith. Now, when most of us think about a shield, and when Paul was talking about a shield, some people think about just a little round circle. You know what I'm talking about? Just a little round circle. That was a Scottish shield. That wasn't a Roman shield. Because a Roman shield stood about four feet tall. It was rectangular and concaved in shape. In other words, I could stand right here with it up, and it would cover from my head to my kneecaps. And this was not only just a defensive weapon, this was also an offensive weapon. When the Romans were challenging their opponent, they would stand up in a straight line and they would put these shields side to side. And with these shields, they became an immovable wall. You know what was behind them? More guys with more shields. You know what was behind them? More guys with more shields. And they would push through any opposition that came their way. And this is why Rome was so victorious in so many battles. They had battle tactics that actually worked, but they also had battle tactics that we can apply to our faith. You see, that shield brought confidence. If they had that shield there, they knew that they could push forward in battle. Paul says that these shields were used, that these shields are used for us to protect against the fiery darts that Satan throws at us. And he does. He throws a lot of fiery darts. But again, this was imagery to what Paul had seen taking place because they didn't have modern warfare weaponry like we have today. They didn't have tanks. They didn't have bazookas. They didn't have helicopters. They didn't even have guns. Matter of fact, the go-to weapon for long-range combat was a bow and arrow. And what they would do with these bow and arrows is they would take the tip of these arrows and they would stick them in pitch. You know what pitch is? Go touch a pine tree right now and you will find out what pitch is. You will pull off this gooey junk that sticks to you. It will stick to you forever. Not even Dawn dish detergent gets it off. 
Kerosene, gasoline, and Gojo are the only things that I find to get it off. So if you're new to the area and you get pine sap on you, go to the store, go to the gas station. That's the only thing that's getting it off. But what's crazy is this stuff is incredibly flammable. And they would take this, arrows dipped in pitch, and they would light them. And then they would fire them at the opponents. For today, for those who watch war movies and things like that, think of this as an incendiary round. And a lot of times when it would hit, whatever it would hit, that pitch would splatter and it would almost become like a napalm and it would burn and there was nothing you could do to get it off. And it just continued to burn. This is just like Satan's arrows. They're lethal. They're lethal and they know exactly where they need to be aimed at. Tony Evans once said that everybody has a problem with figuring out why Satan is so good at what he does and why he's so clever. And Tony Evans explains it to us just in that realm of it's just trial and error. Think about how long Satan's had to work on his tactics. If I were to work for 15 minutes a day at one, one task, and I kept doing that same task every day for 15 minutes, within a year to two years, I would have mastered that concept. Now, I know for some of you on the golf course, y'all are still figuring it out. I get it. But still, the way you become good at something is what? You keep on doing it. Since the beginning of time, Satan has been at these tactics. And you know what? He knows exactly what arrows to shoot, what pitch to put on those arrows, but he also knows where to target you. He targets your integrity. All of us want to have a high view of ourselves. But for so many of us, we're our own worst critic. He targets our doubt because he knows that we are questionable beings. We constantly question not only ourselves, but other things in our life. And this is why we have this shield of faith. Because based on the truth that we have, the righteousness that we have, and the peace that we have, we don't have to worry about these questions of our worth, even though that is one of his arrows. Our worth was proved to us when Christ died on the cross. That's how much he loves us. We question our ability to serve him and to serve him faithfully. And that's the amazing thing about it. Everybody, I love it when people say, oh, how do you get up there and do it? It's not me. Our Sunday school teachers, it's not them. Our missionaries, it's not them. It is them allowing Christ to do what only Christ can do through them. So it's not about our ability to serve. It's about our ability to be obedient and allow him to work through us. He causes us to question God's word. This is a big one right now. He causes us to question the integrity of God's word. Can you answer me this question? What other book do you know of continues to be the number one selling book in the New York, whatever it is, the New York, whatever they call that thing, I can't remember what it's called. But it's the number one selling book. But this book was written on three different continents in three different languages by over 40 different authors in a span of 1,800 years and it all tells the same story. What other book do you know like that? Anybody got one? Because they're it in one. What other book do you know of that has manuscripts, even original manuscripts, that go back some 2,400 years to prove its authenticity. Do we have any books like that in record today? No, absolutely not. Only God's Word, only the Bible do we have 
that type of evidence to show not only the authority of this word, but the truth of this word. But remember what Satan's first tactic was. He tried to get Adam and Eve to doubt what God said. But this shield of faith, of us knowing that this was real, this helps us guard against that. Not only that, he tries to get us to doubt our ability to overcome things. You know, all of us have these situations. All of us have these sins in our life that it's just hard to get over. Maybe it's, for some of you, maybe it's the sin of doubt. Doubt is one of those things that it, it's hard to get over, is it not? You just, don't, you just don't get over doubt. You just don't wake up one day and say, I'm not going to worry anymore. That's foolish. That doesn't happen. But Satan keeps throwing this in our face that you're never going to do this, so what's the point? Just give up and quit. But you see, brothers and sisters, that's his tactic. That's his tactic with these fiery darts. He wants to burn up every bit of the hope, every bit of the faith, and every bit of the joy that we have with inside of us. Because if he gets us to stop, if he gets us to stop, think about the impact that that can have on the world. If he gets every believer not to be bad, not to be wicked, not to be evil, but just to stop. Stop spreading the word. Stop showing the love that Christ showed to us. What would our world look like today? We think it's bad now. We're restraining a lot more than what we know. And he wants us to stop. But our faith that shield, what does it do? It keeps us pushing forward. Psalms 3, verse 3 says this, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Our shield, which is our faith in God, shows us that the impossible is possible. We can stand in victory with him on our side. We can charge forward. We can charge darkness like never before. Why? Because he is with us. He is our shield. So guys, don't think of it, don't think of it this way. Because I know some of you are saying, well, my faith, it's an invisible thing. Well, if you want to get technical about it, Satan's darts are invisible too. But you're letting them hold you back. Why aren't we letting the shield of our faith help us to advance forward? The psalmist mentioned the head, and it's appropriate that he mentioned the head. Because the next part of the armor that he talks, tells us to put on is the helmet of salvation. And you know, most people, if you listen to a lot of people, they're going to tell you that this helmet of salvation is the assurance of your salvation. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong at all. Because our salvation once we are truly saved, it is a sure thing. John 10 tells us that once God has us in his hands, that nobody can snatch us out of them. Nobody. And a lot of people will say, well, you can jump from them. Well, then are you greater than God? Because he said nobody. And the last time I checked, you were somebody. Nobody. It's not a question of losing salvation. The question is, are you truly saved? Are you truly dependent on his work on the cross to make atonement for your life? That's where the question comes down to. And yes, it's talking about that assurance. But I think Dr. David Jeremiah, a couple of years ago, hit, hit on this thing, very same topic. And I tend to think a lot like him. I think this is more than just assurance of salvation. Because I think this has to do with a lot what the helmet protects. I don't ride motorcycles much. Don tried to get me to ride one a while back, and uh, it wasn't pretty, was it, Don? 
I'm not allowed to ride motorcycles at the camp no more. But when I got on the motorcycle, you know what the first thing I did was? I put on a helmet. And I get it. I'm not a biker, so I don't know. I know some, some bikers like to ride without a helmet, I guess. My question is, why are you going without the thing that the helmet was tried, designed to protect? And the thing that you should be protecting is what should have told you to wear a helmet. I don't understand this breakdown. I don't get it. But I put on a helmet. And I put on a helmet because this thing is important. There may not be much up here. <laughs> it may be a little bit empty. But what is in there is extremely important. Because your brain controls two vital things in your body. First, controls your thoughts. Secondly, it controls your body functions. When it comes to thoughts, let's just be real. We've got many of them, don't we? We've got many thoughts that race through our mind on a daily basis. Right now, some of you have got thoughts going on in your mind. Is that air conditioner ever going to cut off? I promise you we got it at 72 degrees. We leave it at 72 degrees, but hey. And I know some of you are thinking, is it ever going to shut off? Wear a sweater. I don't know what to tell you. Some of you are thinking, is this guy ever going to be quiet? I come in every Sunday and all he does is he gets up there and talks. And I know some of you are probably thinking like I am. Some of my families, well, they already bounced out on me. We got a family reunion here in a little while and I'm just really looking forward to that. Um, that's sarcasm. But we have all these thoughts that race through our mind. But have you ever had one of those thoughts? You're just driving down the road. Somebody cuts in front of you. I know I talk about people cutting in front of you a lot because it happens a lot. And you think to yourself, I wish I had a push bar. You ever have that thought come to your mind, John? Daily. Have you ever thought about how wicked that thought is? Or what about that person who's rude to you? You ever have those thoughts come across your mind to where you just want to throat punch them? You do, whether you admit it or not. I know you all do. Or for you men. You ever have that thought when a good-looking lady walks in front of you? And you know what's crazy? I can't do nothing to stop these thoughts. Can you? They just pop up in my brain. I don't know where they come from. I don't know out of what atmosphere, what level they're coming from, but these thoughts just continually pop in my head. And that's why this helmet of salvation is so important for us. Because the helmet of salvation is just more than assurance of salvation. The helmet in a Roman soldier had another purpose. Because their helmet was round, a little bit concaved, had the big fluffy thing going right down the middle. Believe it or not, that was even purpose for protection. I never knew that. It was, called, it was to help soften the blow if somebody were to come down. But one of the most important parts of the helmet were these temple flaps. And these temple flaps come down right beside the soldier's face. And they serve two purposes. The first purpose was protection. You get hit in the temple, it can take you out really quick. But the second purpose was one that kind of floored me. I never knew this. These flaps were designed to where they would come out a little ways to block the peripherals. Now, I don't know about to you, but that doesn't sound like a good idea, does it? If you're in battle, you don't want your peripherals blocked. You want to know what's going on inside of you, don't you? 
You want to know if there's somebody coming at you? You want to know if there's some attack coming? You want to know what's going on around you? But at the same time, think of it this way. If we're always worried about what's going on beside us or behind us, are we ever moving forward? A Roman advancement had one responsibility. And you know what that responsibility was? Move forward. Always move forward. Don't worry about what's going on beside you. Somebody else will take care of that. Don't worry about what's going on behind you. Again, somebody else will take care of that. Worry about what is directly in front of you and keep your mind focused on that. Now with that thought being put in mind, why do you think it's called the helmet of salvation now? Could it be that this helmet of salvation is to keep the church's focus on what the church is designed to do? Romans 8, 6 says, for a, for a mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. You see, I get it because I live in that realm of trying to put out the fire that is over here, all the same time trying to get over here and put out the fire that's over here. You know what I mean? You're there too. You're always looking out your peripherals. You're always looking out to the side to see what's going on over here, what's Colton doing over here, what's Dalton over here, what's Jennifer doing behind me. That's the one I'm really worried about. <laughs> but we're always caught up in this pulling, tugging match, going back and forth. And then at the end of the day, we sit there and we say, I just don't feel like I move forward. Well, we don't. We don't move forward because we're looking constantly at the fleshly things and fleshly desires of our life, trying to distinguish what's important and what is not. <coughs> the helmet of salvation gives us a key indication to one of the things that are extremely important to God, and especially for one of his soldiers. As I got up early this morning, this thought came to my mind. And I know some of you may not like this thought. But a church that is not focused on Jesus' marching orders is nothing more than a country club for Christians who have bought into Satan's lie that their desire is more important than God's desire. A church that is more focused that is not focused on Jesus' marching orders is a country club for Christians who have bought into Satan's lie that their desire is more important than God's desire. What is God's desire? What is it? Okay, because there's two things that are happening here. Either you don't know it and I'm worried, or a lot like me, you don't want to say it because you know that your desire doesn't exactly match up with God's desire. What's God's desire? God's desire is that none would perish. And he was so willing to make sure that this happened that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. Is that your focus? Is that my focus? As a body of believers, let's just get real here. Is that our focus? Because it's easily, it's easy for us to get caught up in this. It's easy for us to get caught up in these things of worrying about what I would like to see here. But when we step back and we look at what God would like to see here according to what his word says, 
if it doesn't line up, there's an issue. And brothers and sisters, the issue isn't here. The issue's here. This helmet of salvation, yes, it is protection for us. But we've got to remember, the brain's other function of keeping a thought is also bodily function. Without you even thinking about it right now, you're breathing. Why? Because your brain's telling it to. Right now, your heart is beating. Rusty was just doing a course a little while ago on trying to figure out how many joules he's got to give me if we need to do an AED. None. <laughs> but my heart is beating right now. Why? Because my brain is telling it to. Am I doing anything to make these things happen? No. But if something gets damaged up here, if something gets damaged up here, what happens to those signals that are going to my lungs? They stop. If something gets damaged up here, what happens to those signals that go to my heart? They stop. Brothers and sisters, when our thinking stops the bodily functions that Christ intended for his church, we're dead. We're dead. That is a harsh, grim reality that has taken place at least three times a week all over the United States. At least three times a week, a church is shutting its door. And Tom Rainer has done a lot of research into church autonomy and church buildup but he wrote a book called The Autopsy of a Deceased Church. And you know what number one symptom of death was in a dead church? Zero evangelism. The gospel, that helmet that we put on is not just there for protection and assurance. It is there to keep us focused. Romans 2, uh, 12, verse 10, or verse 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That shows us that something's wrong with our mind and it's got to be renewed. So that you may prove the will of, what the will of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Our shield helps us to advance forward. Our helmet keeps us focused on what we need to do. But then he gives us a defensive weapon, an offensive weapon. I'm going to start a saying, and I want you to finish it. The best defense is, every single one of you are college football fans, aren't y'all? You know, everybody from George Washington to Bill Belichick have been credited with saying that. We're not sure who said it, but there is a lot of truth in that statement. The best defense is a good offense. And as a pastor, I find myself in some pretty peculiar situations. And these situations, they're not ones that everybody just wants to run to. These are the situations to where marriages have broken up. These are the situations to where we're dealing with prodigal children and even sometimes prodigal parents. But these are the situations where we're actually dealing with the consequence of sin. Jerry's been here, Tommy's been here, Aaron's been here. People have situations take place in their life and they bring them to us. And they think that we can fix them. I said this a while back and I'm going to say it in a little bit different way. But sin has a wage. And what is that wage? Death. That means that sin has a terminal consequence. 
So I want you to think with me on this. And I'm not saying don't bring your problems to us. We want to pray with you. We want to counsel you. We want to help you. But understand this reality. Most of the problems that are brought to us are terminal. I can't fix them. I can't fix the consequences of an affair. I can't fix the consequences of absent parenting. I can't fix the consequences of bad judgment. I can point you to the one who can offer forgiveness, but I can't fix these things. And why? They're terminal. They bring about death. And don't get me wrong, it is my heart. It is Jerry's heart. Me and Jerry have sit in his office. Tommy's even been with us. And we've had a good cry over situations of what people are going through because it just breaks our heart. But let me ask you this. Even though these situations are terminal now, do you think there was a point in time in this situation when it was preventable? Started talking about cancer at the first. Your doctor will encourage you to do what now? To have all these screenings, to have all these tests. A good friend of ours, Keith Ivey, that's another one I didn't mention. He's one of our missionaries with the state. He is over missions. He has just been diagnosed with prostate cancer. But you know what? They caught it early. So there are some treatments, there are some recourses for that, that they can handle it. Your doctor encourages you to treat things early. Why? Because if you treat things early, there is a good chance that they can eliminate the problem and that you will not have to deal with it again. When he talks about the sword of the spirit, the word of God, he's talking about a remedy. He is talking about our remedy. This is what helps us know what to do and what not to do. God didn't leave us here on this earth blind. He wanted us to know what is good, what is perfect, what is the acceptable will of God. And as we've been reading through Psalms, one of the Psalms jumped out to me been reading a little bit ahead of my group. Probably been reading a little bit ahead of some of y'all. But one of the Psalms jumped out to me and it was Psalms 119, the longest of all Psalms. But I want you to turn with me real quick to Psalms 119. And I want you to look at verse nine through 11 with me. Because this is what it says, actually verse nine through 12. It says, how can a young man keep pure, keep his way pure? That's a great question, isn't it? How can a young man keep his way pure? If you were to ask the world that today, they would give you a list of things that you could do. A list of self-health books that you can use to keep your way pure and to keep you going in the right track. But look what the psalmist says. By keeping it according to your word. This offensive weapon that we have keeps us going in the right path. It keeps us from straying. It keeps us from taking side streets. It takes us from making mistakes and taking the shorter route instead of taking the route that needs to be taken. But the problem is, if we don't know this word, we're not going to be able to keep our ways pure. Listen to what he says to you. With all my heart, I have sought you. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not sought many things with all my heart. I've not looked for things with all my heart much. 
But I want you to listen to what the psalmist is really saying in this. With everything inside of me, I have looked for you. I've looked for you in the morning. I've looked for you in the midday. I've looked for you in the evening. God, I've even looked for you when I laid my head down. That is a hunger and a thirst to know God like no other. I'm talking about a hunger and thirst to know God better than you know your spouse, better than you know your children, better than you know your parents, better than you know your best friend. Have you looked for God that much? Because I'm, I'm just going to let you off the hook here. I hadn't either. Then he goes on to say this. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Why do you think he asked God not to let me wander? Why do you think he asked God for that? Anybody? Well, one, he don't want us to wander around. I don't know about y'all, but I'm good at wandering around. I had ADHD before it was diagnosed. Littlest thing catches me off track. I have about seven projects at my home that are 95% done. Mom and law hush. <laughs> but if we are not careful, we wonder. And you know what wondering people do? Wondering people find traps. Wondering people find snares. Wondering people get into places that nobody should go. And the psalmist is telling him, God, help me from doing this. There's some honesty in that. The psalmist is admitting, I am capable of doing it. And God, I need your help. But then he goes on to say this. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I hit this very hard a while back. A sin is a direct assault, a slap in the face to God. It is the most detestable thing that you can do in his sight. <clears throat> and this individual put his word into his heart so that he would not slap God in the face. Wow. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. This is a warning. This isn't ridicule. But whenever I see people in desperate situations because sin has entangled them, because their focus has got elsewhere, or because they have no boldness to move forward, I tell you one of the things that is always absent in their life. And that's this. And I know some of you are saying, oh, the preacher's harping on us reading the Bible. Listen, I don't care if you read five verses. I don't care if you read a chapter. I don't care if you read the Bible through a year. My question to you this is, are you thinking about this daily? Because this is your weapon. When Satan throws those darts at you, this is how you combat it. Every one of those situations that's brought to me, Tommy, Jerry, Aaron, every single one of them were preventable situations. If what? If they'd known this. That's why the sword of the Spirit is so important. 
Notice it says the Spirit. Who dwells inside a believer? The Spirit. Whose word do you want to be hearing from? The Spirit. Where are you going to hear that word from? Facebook. TikTok. Fox News. MSNBC. Are you looking to those more things for answers in your life more than looking to this? If so, don't be surprised when you're the next one who falls in the trap. Father, thank you for the weaponry that you've given us. You knew exactly what we needed when we'd need it. You knew we needed truth because we were in darkness. You knew we needed righteousness because nothing that we could ever do would be good enough. You knew, Lord, that we needed peace because our lives are in constant turmoil. You knew that we needed faith because we would never push forward without it. You knew that we needed a focus because if we didn't have a focus on what's important to you, we would be everywhere. And you knew we needed your word to fight off all of Satan's attacks. Thank you, Lord, for providing the armor that we so desperately needed. Now help us to pick it up. Now help us to put it on. Because I know the next war that we're all going to face will be as soon as we walk through those doors. And Lord, it's so good for us to come to get encouraged, to understand that we're not alone. But Father, when we get out there in this world, a world in which we don't belong, we're at war. Help us to remember, Lord, that we only have one enemy. He has deceived many and he will cause many to fall. Help us to remember that we're not battling flesh and blood, that a lot of times, Lord, we're battling things that we can't see and help us, Lord, to charge forward, shield by shield by shield in faith, penetrating the darkness with the salvation that you've given us. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As wake. Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.